Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Russell Kayback. He lost his home in that Alonza tornado. We'll get an update. Bob Irving on what the Bombers do now. And Adrian Leslie, too good on the Bombers. And also Serena Williams. Serena Williams had a tough weekend. Sports psychologist Adrian Leslie, too good, coming up on the podcast. Please rate the podcast and also please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Joining us on the phone now, Russell Kayback. Uh, we played a little bit. Russell, first of all, let me say uh, good afternoon, Russell. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So we played about a minute and a half of your conversation with us right after that tornado where 14 of you and three dogs were in your basement. You heard the freight train. You looked up and the house was gone. Um, tell us, uh, are you rebuilding? Where are you at today? Uh, we're still kind of just thinking about what we're going to do, but, uh, I'm just thankful that my whole immediate family survived it. There was 14 of us in the basement and uh, my son, Sean was in the shop when it also went and, uh, he was knocked out, which was maybe a good thing because uh, he come to, he was laying on the ground and all the debris in the whole shop, had just disappeared. So we're thankful for that. And, uh, about rebuilding, uh, we're not uh, quite certain what we're going to do there because uh, everything was destroyed. All my cattle facilities were destroyed and uh, and that. So uh, and I don't have enough feed because the tornado took about half my hay and scattered it in the lake and in the bush and all over the place. So uh, I'm short of feed as it is. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens. So you're actually considering giving up farming and ranching, eh? Yeah, I just about had enough because we dealt with the 2011 flood. It was bad here, and uh, we had a bunch of expenses to go through there, and now the tornado had to come and kind of just about finish things off here. Will you not get uh, aid from uh, government aid because of what happened, or or were you insured, or what's that situation? Uh, I had insurance probably for about uh, 50% of uh, everything that was destroyed, and... uh, as far as aid goes, there there is a EMO emergency measures organization. They're looking into things uh, like to help out, especially with the cleanup. Like they said, they only cover things that aren't insurable. So uh, we'll wait and see how that goes. How does the rest of the family feel about this uh, big decision that you're going to have to make sometime soon? Uh, well, they're kind of supportive. They they figured I pretty much had enough. Uh, stress and everything else. Uh, I'm up in age already, too, so I'm 77. I'm not a spring chick anymore. So, to like I tell everybody, uh, you know, it took me 52 years to get where I am at now to build all the barns and the shed and everything else. And in a matter of 52 seconds or less, everything was gone. Well, and we now know that that was, that tornado in your area there was the strongest in all of Canada over the summer, this summer. And yeah, you, you described possibly around the world. It was an EF4, and uh, there was, I believe, one other EF4 in South America this year, summers. 
and you described it as a freight train train in the bush. That's what it sounded like to you. Uh, and now knowing the devastation, uh, I mean, you must, as you said, you must just thank your lucky stars that n- nobody in your family, one man did die in that twister, and we have to remember that, but no one in your family died, which is truly amazing, isn't it? Oh, that that was truly a miracle. I don't know how we survived, but uh, with the house going like that, I've never really heard of another case in the world where there was... 14 people uh, huddled in the basement and the house would disappear and blocks falling all around us and there was a utility trailer come flying into the tra- into the basement and narrowly missed us and the big chimney that weighs about a ton or two it fell the right way and not over top of us it missed us so it was truly a miracle you know communities like yours are very tight russell how's everybody else doing in that area i'm sure you all talk yeah, yeah, they're slowly going to rebuild, I guess, and, uh, you know, take it from there. It's just kind of day-to-day things, and uh, and we'll just be going from there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anything that you, uh, I mean, were you happy with the warning, uh, how you were warned that there was weather like that in the area? Anything you think that could be done differently next time? Well, I'll tell you what, where I got the warning was from your station. I right. was bailing hay at the time, yeah. at 7.30 at night, and I heard this beep, beeping sound going off on your station, and they had warned about a possible tornado warning for St. Rose, Mercury, and Alonza. And I took it with a grain of salt because we've had those warning, warnings in the past and nothing's really happened. So I quit uh, bailing around 7.30 and pulled a tractor and baler into the yard there and was just standing around and start hailing, and then we saw these big dark clouds from the west coming, and we went where we could see around the bush, and we saw this funnel coming down and figured, oh, that doesn't look good. So we all decided to get in the basement, which was a good thing, because if we would have stayed upstairs in the house, and who knows where that house went, because we can't even find the remains of it. Possibly it threw it into the lake, eh? because we, we live about 200 yards from the lake. And same with my uh, shop that my son was in, it's gone too, and we can't find any remains. So it's possibly in the lake with seven other trailers, and there was uh, five half tons parked along the lake, and they and they were all totaled. So there's a lot of lot of junk in that lake. It's a main concern to how we can clean that lake up now. Like they're talking about bringing in uh, that uh, Amphabex, is it that breaks the ice up? It's right. got a big suction hose on it mm-hmm. into the month. So they're going to try and suction some of the junk up and uh, possibly get rid of it that way because uh, it's a total mess there. You can imagine with seven trailers there and my house and uh, the shop all being in the water there somewhere, so it's not safe to walk in or swim in or anything. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. If you, you know, as time went by, if you found bits and pieces of of your home or or shop or, or anything else, but nothing, eh? No, there's nothing. There was the odd two-by-four laying here and there, and maybe pieces of tin, the odd piece of tin, but that's about it. But the main main structures, like that whole house, how to be lifted up and taken away, and uh, no sight to be seen of it. And the uh, same with the shop. You know, it's some, summer's in the lake, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, terrible. Mm. I've got to ask about Amber the dog because that was, I'm a big dog lover, Russell. So when I heard the story about Amber went missing and then you found Amber and Amber's okay, how is Amber doing after that? Oh, she's fine. She was all shook up from the start. Like my son, he went looking after dark for her because uh, 
she was in the basement with us, and uh, somehow she got loose and she disappeared. Now, we don't know if the tornado picked her up and carried her away or if she jumped out because the walls are about five feet high, so it would have been pretty hard for her to jump out. But anyways, he went looking for a couple hours, and uh, and she was found uh, walking from the lake. She was soaking wet, so I don't know if the tornado maybe uh, took her into the lake and somehow she found her way back, but... That sure made the grandkids' day when she was found. Yeah. Well, Russell, uh, whatever your decision, whether you continue to farm and ranch or whether you call it a uh, call it a career, I wish you all the best. Really happy that things have worked out. Uh, you know, for the family from a uh, you know the perspective of nobody being hurt. That's right. great news. I'm sorry you've had to go through this, and I, I really do wish you all the best. Yeah, I wonder if you can do me a small favor. Sure. Yeah, there is a GoFundMe page on the internet, and this is not just for me. It's for all the victims of the tornado that uh, have losses beyond the coverage of insurance. So would you mind uh, if I give you the address? You do it right now, please, yes. Okay, it's uh, Help Me Rebuild Alonzo, Manitoba, uh, slash EF4 Tornado, and then uh, you'll go to GoFundMe page, just follow the prompts, and uh, uh, you'll see the everything on there do you know what the i'm gonna google it here do you know what the total is so far for that uh, russell i'm not sure i don't even have a computer okay i'm gonna check here but uh it's out there and we will remind people to give if they can and i wish you all the best okay thanks al for your interest and uh, for your time in the, in this stay in, in touch this, uh, massive uh, disaster yes thank you russell okay you're welcome hal all right bye-bye Okay, but we will talk a little bombers here right now. Listen, um, I'm going to focus on the good from that game. Not a whole lot, but I'm going to focus on the good by replaying for you a few great plays by our Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now. Four receivers wide right, and it's a hitch pass. Intercepted. This will be a touchdown for Anthony Gator. The 10, the 5, touchdown. Blue Bombers. Talk about reading a play and stepping in. Wow. And the Bombers hurry up over the ball. Here's Streveler, and he's in easily for the Bomber. Touchdown. And Streveler with a pump fake deep into the end zone. Touchdown, Peterman. So there you go. A couple of TDs by uh, Streveler and uh, a great uh, pick six. Pretty exciting stuff, but not enough. Not enough. Bob Irving and Doug Brown talked to Mike O'Shea after the game Saturday afternoon. Here is the post-game interview with Mike O'Shea. Mike, was the bottom line five interceptions? Yeah, it's turnover margin, right? I mean, we lost the turnover battle uh, by far, and they, equated to, they turned into points, right? So um, tough to survive that, but, you know, if... If you tell me we turn the ball over that many times, give up a couple pick sixes, and are down by five at the end of the game, I, you know, I, I wouldn't expect that either. So we we got our chances, had our chances still to win a game. And the pick sixes were 98 and 102 yards. You don't see that every day of the week, do you? Yeah, those are two field goals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the play of Matt Nichols. He, he had a had a tough day, Mike. What did you see? Yeah, trying to make plays and and uh, you know that. I guess would affect his decision making, right? Because he's just trying, working really hard to make make the perfect plays, right? 
is is what I would sum it up to. Yeah. Yeah. Is he pressing? Would you use the word? That, that's pressing? what I, that's exactly what I just said. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Trying too hard. I, I'm not going to use that word though, Bob. He's okay. trying to make you know he's trying to make good. He's trying to make big plays for his team. Yeah. You know. Was it a tough decision for you to change quarterbacks? No, not at that point. No. You know, I guess on a personal level, it is. It's always like that. But uh, you know, in terms of responsibility to the team, it's it's not. It just he wasn't on, right? So. Yeah. Do you come back with him, or do you know yet? I don't know yet. You know, I, I, I thought about, I thought about, uh, you know, that last drive too. Is that because I, I think, um, you know, we prepped him saying he, he, he could very well be going back in, right? So, uh, we'll see. How'd you we'll feel about the play of Strabler? I'll have to look at it more closely, but I thought he did well. He, he moved the ball at times, you know. Yeah. How'd you feel about the play of your defense? You know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good most of the game. You'd like to hold up and and get off the field near the end there too. Right? Yeah, kind of a the same story of when the game was on the line. You, you just didn't get the the one play you needed, huh? Yeah, it was a couple close couple close ones there where you'd like to make that make those plays right. Come up yeah. with a knockdown at some point. Yeah. Do you worry at all now about the the mental state of your team, Mike? I, I don't. I really don't. So. Um, uh, you know, I believe these guys will—they—they're looking each other in the eyes, and they're—they're they're bound and determined to come back from the bye and and be ready to work. And I mean, it, if they're not, we'll know. You know, when we come back to that first day, we'll have it figured out, and and uh, we'll go forward and make good decisions there. But these guys—they're very close. You know, it's—it's that it's, uh, these games, these last few games, and I don't compound them, but. They see the reasons why we're not coming out on top, and it's just a very fine line. You know, we're not we're not getting out efforted, we're not getting blown out, we're not none of those things, right? We're we're talking games of inches and little plays here and there that, that make a big difference. And so, um, I believe that they've got a ton of resolve and a ton of respect for their teammates. That they that they believe that we're gonna turn the corner here and, and get one to turn in our favor by, by working hard and, and making plays when, when they really matter. And, and that'll, be, that'll be the turning point, right? So the reality is that all is not lost, but is it hard to, to believe that at this very moment? No, it's very easy to, to understand that we're very close to turning the corner here. It's, that's not a problem. You know? I think our, our, our entire locker room understands that. They just got to be committed to come back and, and figure out a way to make one more play each, you know? That was Coach O'Shea Saturday evening after that disappointing loss in the Banjo Bowl. We'll find out what Coach has to say tonight with Bob Irving on the Coach's Show 7 to 8 here on CJOB. All right, so make sure you tune in for that. Sports psychologist, Dr. Adrian Leslie Toogood joins us now. Good afternoon, Doc. Hey, Hal. Hi, thanks for doing this. So let's start with the Bombers and we'll get to tennis. We'll get to Serena Williams in a moment here. Poor Matt Nichols, you know, another loss, fourth in a row for the Bombers. Matt got pulled at halftime. He was obviously trying really hard to make plays and in the process making bad plays. That's something we see in sports a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it is the whole overthinking situation. You know, he's obviously a well-trained athlete, and if he can just trust himself and go with his instinct, he's going to probably play a lot better, but that's really, really hard to do in that situation. And then obviously, uh, you know, 
this losing thing becomes a snowball. When you're winning, it tends to go that way. The momentum is going the wrong way right now for the Big Blue. <laughs> it is, and hopefully they can have some good conversations. And I think sometimes you just have to own it and, you know, admit it's going that way and uh, deal with some of the emotions around that. And once you can let that go, you're able to get back on track and start focusing on the right things again. So that would be your advice. Just say, hey, uh, this is the way it is right now, and we're good, and we're going to get back to playing good football. Absolutely, and I think that the more um, you know, every unit or, or every guy can kind of focus on a couple things they know they do well, and when they do that well, you know, it leads to the, the outcomes they want. They, mm-hmm. You know, it's the, the big thing we talk about in sports a lot, but they're, they're going to have to really let go of, you know, wanting to win is a bit overwhelming and a large task, but instead let's want to do a bunch of little things right. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a really important element. But before that, I definitely feel that you have to own the results that you've had so far. It's, it's tough because a lot of times you don't want to talk about it. You just want to move on. But you know, they're at a point where you probably can't just move on. You've got you to gotta deal with what's happened and, uh, you know, admit we need to do some things better and admit we're not where we're at. And, okay, now let's go and uh, let's go, you know, be awesome tonight. Okay, let's talk Serena Williams. So um, this goes way beyond sports. You're a sports psychologist, yeah. and I appreciate you weighing in on this. Um, I played earlier uh, some of the audio. Actually, let me play a little bit right now, and then we'll get into this. Sure. I don't cheat. I didn't get coaching. How can you say that? You need to, you need to, you owe me an apology. You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. I have a daughter, and I stand what's right for her, and I've never cheated. For you to attack my character is something that's wrong. It's wrong. You attacking my character. Yes, you are. You owe me an apology. You will never, ever, ever be on another court of mine as long as you live. So your initial thoughts, Adrian, to uh, how Serena reacted there? Well, I think it's a complicated situation for sure. I I think that it's difficult for me even to say what my thoughts were because I wasn't in that moment. And I think we've all been in moments where our emotions are flowing and we've lost, you know, control over maybe what we think and say, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so I think there's that individual perspective for sure that Serena definitely was very emotional, but I think it's very difficult for us to judge that behavior when we're not the one who's in, in that moment in that situation. Um, I think on the other end of it, because obviously it's in, is an area that people have talked about a lot and there's lots being written. Uh, there's a great article by Billie Jean King in the Washington Post. There's another one by one of the ESPN commentators uh, talking about how they kind of managed the conversation around these things. And so clearly one of the other areas that's being discussed is the, you know, the lens of gender and race and how her behavior was interpreted. Right. And I think that's, uh, that's such a difficult conversation, especially in our society right now when there's the Me Too movement going on. And there's definitely people on either side of that, uh, that argument in terms of their perspective. But for sure, when you look at John McEnroe and other people in the commercials that have been written, you know, they've got like literally whole ad campaigns around the way they <laughs> yeah. treated officials. Right. You know, I think we can all agree that, um, that uh, you know, and there's lots of research on it as well, that, that females and um, African-American folks are treated differently, you know, and they, it just is that way. One of the positives in this that I've seen is that they're talking about, you know, their subjectivity in terms of when things are and aren't, are not enforced. And that just puts the person in the chair in a very compromised position because that's when biases do come in. So I think they do want to take a step back and analyze, you know, the, the rules and, and how they will be enforced. There can be consistency. And I think that when you 
hear Serena talk about it afterwards. That's what she's advocating for is consistency, um, you know, in terms of how calls are enforced. And I think that that would be great for, for all of us. So the cool part is I think a lot of people are talking about it. Right. Uh, maybe tennis will grow, <laughs> but uh, for sure, difficult conversations are happening. And what I think is important is that we challenge ourselves to have that difficult conversation with someone we know has a very different viewpoint or perspective than us. I think it's easy for us to, you know, discount what they say and disagree with them and, and think they're, you know, not kind people. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, if you're having t- trouble listening to someone talking about it, then that's probably someone that has something to say that will be pretty interesting because it's very different than your perspective. You mentioned an article by Billie Jean King. Here's what she said, or some of what she said on Twitter mm-hmm. on the weekend. When a woman is emotional, she's hysterical and she's penalized for it. When a man does the same, he's outspoken and there are no repercussions. As a guy, as a man, I can definitely see where that is the case in some circumstances. I don't know if that was it here. Maybe it was Mm -hmm. uh, about rules and, uh, you know, being very subjective. I think there was a lot going on here, but I can certainly see the point that Billie Jean King and Serena Williams are trying to make. No, exactly. And I I agree with you 100%. And the reality is we'll never know. The other piece of it is Serena wasn't playing well. Yeah. You know, and we also know that when people aren't playing well, A, they get more emotional, but B, they look for other things to get their game back. You know, and quite honestly, when you look at, uh, you know, some of the outbursts by McEnroe or Agassi or the other guys who are kind of known to be quite vocal, Mm -hmm. they were never that way when their game was going well. You know, it's a tactic. And so there's just, you know, there's a complexity to it. Um, there's a lot of layers to look at, and uh, I think it's an interesting conversation for sure. No right or wrong. There's, you know, if it was that clear, we wouldn't be having this type of conversation. Yeah, and a great conversation to have as well. I think that's another good thing that comes from this for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. It, uh, you know, it forces us to have the conversations that we might avoid otherwise. So I think that, I, I, you know, I, as I said, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. And the main thing I ask is that people... Yeah, if you're really irritated by someone's viewpoint, then you know, go back when you're feeling a little more calm and, and yeah. ask them what they what they think or get them to email or text you if it's easier. <laughs> yeah. But uh <laughs> you know, but when people uh you know, when you have an emotional reaction then they're probably saying stuff that you haven't heard for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be interesting. Good advice. Adrian, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I just want to make one last comment. Yeah. It's interesting that we're having this conversation because when you watch, you know, we talked we started with the bombers. And when you looked at Saskatchewan, they all have, you know, this shirt on that say diversity is strength. And in a way, I feel like the Serena conversation, uh, maybe if we can remember that, it will help us have those conversations. Very good connection to the two subjects. Thank you, Adrian. Okay, take care. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.